this morning, I'm excited to have a guest speaker with us today. Uh, we have a Bible teacher, uh, Alan Gilman, uh, joining us this morning. Alan has been with us a number of times. It's great to have him and his wife, Robin, joining us here this morning. Um, you can applaud that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> We're kind of I'm a couple, uh, last year at uh, a prayer summit meeting. Um, that's where I kind of reconnected with Alan, and we were there. And we were praying and worshiping and, and doing all this stuff, and it was a vibrant time of worship and a vibrant, powerful time of prayer. And Alan leaned over to me. I don't know if you remember this, Alan. He goes, "You're Fellowship Baptist, right? You're all, like all good with all of like kind of how you know wild and crazy this prayer time is." I'm like, oh, you need to come to Greenbelt more often because like we're like not we're Baptocostal here. You know, so we can really get into it. So it's all good. Um, so, you know, um, Alan has uh, been following Jesus since 1976. Um, and him and his wife, Robin, they've been married for over 40 years. They've got 10 kids, eight grandchildren. And uh, he's very active in Bible teaching, in writing, in worship leading. And so, Alan, I'm going to invite you to come on up. I'm so excited to have you continue our series, The Way, about listening to God. So thank you so much for being here. Traditional, oh, this thing is on, yes. Um, I'm, I'm up here with many, many mixed emotions. Um, I don't know if I'm overstating it. This might be one of the most important messages I've ever given, at least emotionally so. Um, so as I was preparing, maybe I should bring this up. Please forgive me if I'm a little discombobulated. Come on, who is Tim? Oh, that's who won. <laughs> it says, I'm not sure I under- Oh, it's, it thinks I want to talk to Siri. <laughs> I'm pressing home to open and it's starting Siri or something. Help! Where'd Paul go? No, I'm not going to say it again, please. I'm not trying to talk to you. Can you bring up the thing? <laughs> I'm pressing home to open. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Karen. Yes, there we go. Almost there, that one. There. Okay. All right, so I've rarely experienced the level of excitement I was experiencing as I was preparing this message for you today, as I was, as I was going through it. I was so excited, I was starting to get concerned that maybe I was going through some sort of manic experience, because it really didn't make that much sense. I was just really so, like, happily geared up. And, and you're going to see why as we go through, mainly through the, the introduction of this. Um, and so I was really, really pumped. And then I got up yesterday morning to the news of what was happening in Israel. And I don't have the time to explain to you why this runs so deep. Yes, we know people there. Yes, I received a picture of about a 20-something-year-old young man, not Jewish, whose family... Uh, emigrated to Israel many years ago. They're in ministry. 
um, and uh, their kids were born there. But you don't get automatic citizenship in Israel like we do here in Canada. And uh, he decided he wanted to be an Israeli citizen, and he wanted to enlist in the army. And the picture of him getting into the, into the taxi, going off to war. And so, yeah, it's very personal at that level, but it is so deep. And I believe it's deep in the heart of God as well. Um, and so all of a sudden, it's like, what am I going to do? I was so excited and happily so. How am I going to present this? Well, I think it's still, and now this thing turned off on me. It's doing it again. How come I'm having this trouble? It's not coming up. I need help again. I'm really sorry. Help somebody. What? Oh, okay. Fine. Um, okay. So I'm trying to get my bearings. I'm feeling very emotional. Um, and I won't even ask you to forgive me. It's just the way it is this morning. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just, that's what we'll have to do. We'll just get into it. And so... The topic is why we need to hear God's voice, and it's, in the, it's quite, I know it's Thanksgiving weekend, but it's actually much deeper than that. That's before the trouble uh, erupted yesterday, and so what I wanted to say, it's actually time to, bring up the next slide, it's time to celebrate the Word of God, and I'm going to explain why. We should always, but it's actually, we're in a special season in the biblical calendar. Next slide, please. This is how we should be celebrating uh, God's word. And um, there's supposed to be sound. That's a, there's, yeah. Good timing. The, but the, the thing, there's a contrast here because there's another type of explosions happening in the land. Go to the next slide, please. Happening in, uh, in the land of Israel at this time. And so it's, it's celebrating celebrating what well we're in the fall feast season we're actually at the very tail end of this three-week period that started with the the festival of uh, rosh hashanah the jewish new year three weeks ago this weekend and that's kind of a more of a north american uh fall feast sort of thing associated with thanksgiving but if you go to the next slide we're going to see pomegranates and grapefruit which is more fitting with the original location of, of these celebrations and um, this single symbol that starts off this high holiday season is the next slide, and that is the ram's horn or the, or the shofar. And during the beginning of this very busy harvest time, and it's interesting here, um, most of us are not farmers, but the September uh, marks when we really get busy again. It's so easy to get distracted with all the things we're, we're dealing with. Um, and so that's the time the shofar begins to, to blow, to cause us to, or to remind us to remember of who God is and that he is king and to get our lives yet again right with him. And so I thought, why not? So I'm going to uh, share with you the traditional blast of the shofar. We did not sound check this, so I'm warning the people in the booth and especially for the people online, I've had issues when I've done this myself online. Just watch your levels. And if, and if, you, if people with uh, hearing aids need to be warned, you've just been warned. 
people always applaud, which I, I do appreciate. Um, I was, I was going to tell you that also you didn't have to worry because we're not in Jericho. And if you got that reference, great. If not. So um, the Festival of Trumpets, Trumpets, now known as Rosh Hashanah, begins a 10-day period of reflection culminating on the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, which is uh, the God-given national day of humiliation and, and repentance. All to prepare for five days later begins the week-long festival of, of, of Sukkot or tabernacles or booths, which is where we believe North American Thanksgiving is actually derived from, except it lasts for a week. It's a time when uh, we move into temporary dwellings, huts, uh, to remember the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness when we couldn't take care of ourselves. We, couldn't, we didn't have a permanent roof over our heads. And yet God provided and God protected us for those 40 years. And that need that when we, when we begin to become enriched and we live in one of the most richest, wealthiest times of his, history and living in such a marvelous land as we do, and we know there are people among us that are struggling so, but by and large we have been provided for um, and we're very well taken care of. We need to purposely stop and remember that it's not by the works of our own hands that we are, uh, we are provided for. It's, it's really by the hand of God. And so um, that's a picture of, uh, there's various ways to make one of these. Uh, it's a sukkah, uh, a booth. And uh, the next slide shows that the inside of one that could be quite elaborate. Uh, religious Jewish people will actually live in the sukkah for the, the seven days. And then at the end of the sukkah, there's an extra eighth day. And I don't have time to get into all the details of, of the festival. And this lands us on this weekend. So it was actually not only a, a Sabbath day in Israel yesterday and around the world. It was also Shemini Yetzirah, the eighth day of solemn assembly. Um, and... In Israel, they also celebrate, and here it's done today, a special day called Simchat Torah. And I can't remember. Do the next slide. Yes, so these are Torahs. That's a young man with the Torah scrolls, probably his bar mitzvah. Um, but those are Torah scrolls. And many synagogues have the five books of Moses, each in its own scroll. They're pretty heavy. Um, and uh, at this time of year... Uh, through the year, the five books of Moses are, are read uh, three times a week in, in the synagogue. And it's an annual cycle. And so Simcha Torah, which means rejoicing of the Torah, the joy of the Torah, the Torah being the five books of Moses, the, um, it marks the ending of the reading cycle and the beginning of the new one. So we'll actually read the last section in Deuteronomy and the first section of the book of Genesis on, on this special day. Not only that, they will remove the, the scrolls from the special ark that they're normally kept in, and they will dance around the synagogue and outside be, to celebrate the gift of the Torah, which is certainly something to celebrate. And even on, especially, especially when things are terrible, Especially, no people they they criticize our people 
for some of for some some of our traditions because they for somehow Christians got the idea some Christians that that God doesn't like haftas. I don't know what happens here. I don't know what's said, but as if God doesn't like haftas. Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. Oh, that's so bad. It's so legalistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that's how you feel, I'm never going to get in the car with you if you're driving. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't go to your church if that's the way your pastor thought about God's haftas. It's serious, folks. You know that Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Oh, but didn't he only give two? There used to be 613, but now we only have two. Oh, and they're the easiest ones. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Are you kidding me? Have you ever thought about those two commandments? By the way, this is a freebie. He was not reducing the 613 to two. He was summarizing the whole lot to give perspective to the people who had been misusing God's word by adding extra things to it and finding ways to ignore it. Do you know that the Pharisees were so intent on following God's word, they made it so difficult for people that they also ended up creating a system whereby they ignored the very things that God wanted them to do. Pharisaicalism, or whatever you want to call it, is not a call to keep the commandments of God because the great rabbi Jesus told us otherwise. If you love me, keep my commandments. And if you actually read what he said, he didn't just give two. There's a lot more Go practice, turn the other cheek sometime, etc., etc. And I love in Psalm 119, it talks, I run after your commands because you have set my heart free. Look at the look at the world. Look at a world today that's ignored the commandments of God and see where it's gone. It and look at much of the church today that's doing the exact same thing. And it's kind of like it's 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 um, getting rotten from the inside. And then celebrating things called grace. Some wise man once said, give me a break. Are we going to truly rejoice over the gift of God's word and treat it on its own terms? Or are we just going to make stuff up? Don't want to make it too hard for people. Yes, if you don't want to brush your teeth, see where that gets you. And sadly, more people are more concerned about their dental hygiene than their life hygiene. I was going to say spiritual, but that gets us to all sorts. Because the Bible is not just a spiritual book. It's a life book. God has given us everything we need to live life in the way that we were designed for. That's a gift. And that, that is something we should be dancing about, especially in a Baptocostal church like this one. <laughs> So I think the the passage begins on the next slide. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this section of scripture. We're talking about why we need to hear God's voice. Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 3. And it fits in so well with the theme of the fall feasts and festival of tabernacles, Sukkot, and remembering who it is that's taking care of us. We read, and he humbled you, Moses is speaking, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, 
that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This concept of not living by bread alone, etc., has been so misunderstood. But it's not complicated. You don't need some sort of great Bible scholar to unpack this for you with all the Hebrew in this case to, to know what's going on here. Look what he's saying. Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This does not say living by bread plus the word, which is how people normally take it. Not live by bread alone, but every word comes from the mouth of God. So therefore, we all need bread. We all need food. We all need physical uh, sustenance. But that's not everything to life. Let's remember that we also need God's word. That's not what God is saying here through Moses. He's saying there are two approaches to life. There's bread alone living and there's God's God's word living. Bread alone living versus God's word living. And most of the time, most of us, myself included, go along with bread alone living, driven by our desires, driven by our tummies. And that is what continues to get us into trouble. And he showed them this in that situation where he actually made them hungry. Yeah, God did that to to teach them and us this valuable lesson. He caused them to be hungry. He he caused them to be in a, a situation where they were done. I know how many times a week do we say, I'm done. But they were really done. They were on the verge of starvation. Them, their families, their animals, the whole thing. And then God provides them with this unusual, it's called manna. It comes from the Hebrew word ma. Ma ma means what? 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 That's why, what is it? What is this stuff? And it's a God, that's how the nickname uh, of this bread-like substance uh, was given. And there was these, and God, again, gives rules. Collect some every day, only as much as your family needs. And some people tried to hoard it and it would go bad. And then on the sixth day of the week, which we now call Friday, the day before Shabbat, the Sabbath, that's when they were to collect a double portion because there wasn't going to be any on Shabbat on the seventh day. And some people went out on the seventh day anyway, looking, and it wasn't there. And that whole thing was designed for one purpose, to train the people to live their lives attuned to every that God says. Now, it's a lot easier to stand up here and explain that than doing it. And so please understand, I'm not on some sort of high horse, you know, just, you know, talking down to people. I know how hard this is. But this is the only way to life. Not our investments, not our pensions, not our educations, not our, our desires for family, not just do the list. All the things, if we're honest, all the things that drive us. And some of it, I, and, and yeah, we should be responsible. Why are, I'm supposed to care for my family, not because of family value, but because God's word tells me to. 
And we could go on and on and on about that. About all the things. But we do it because God tells us to. I think you can go to the, I think we focus on it. Go next one. And yeah, we'll just leave it there. And I, this is a great illustration, I think, of that crazy uh, freeway, whatever it is. Because this is what our lives tend to be like. And especially today, more, more than ever, the complexity of our lives, all of our choices, all the things that we're facing. We're busy. Everyone's busy, 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 busy all the time. How do you know what to give priority to? Well, God's word tells us we're to do it by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, that starts with scripture, all scripture. Now, Paul said all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable that we'd be equipped for every good work. And I may or may not need to tell you when he was writing to Timothy, he was talking about what we now call the Old Testament. Which a lot of Christians completely Basically, they throw it out to to their, you know, to their, what's the word? To their detriment. detriment, Thank you. Uh, By extension, applies to the whole Bible. The whole Bible, rightly understood, of course, is the only authority that God has given to us. I have the privilege of, of more and more being in touch with the broader world of, of, of Christendom. I teach at St. Timothy's Classical Academy. We have evangelical Protestants, mainly evangelicals, Catholics, and Orthodox there. And I get to teach these kids, the privilege of teaching these kids uh, the Bible. Joel's here. is one of my early students. Um, and uh, is your sister here too? I shouldn't have her. Hi. <laughs> Long time. <laughs> um, where was I going with that? Got a little distracted. <laughs> ah, and it's, it's interesting because of the different approaches the different traditions have to the word of God. It's the evangelicals, Bible-believing Christians that I think are in the most danger. Because the other traditions don't put the Bible at the top of the list of God's authority in our lives. The Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church uh, say it's the Bible through tradition or the Bible and tradition. And evangelical type churches, Bible-believing churches say, no, 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 not us. That's not right. It's the Bible only, we say. And look at your, you know, all these statements of faith. Sometimes God's at the top, but in terms of authority and how we're to live, the Bible's number one. But is it? Because God's going to call us to account for that. We who, who have signed on the dotted line that the scriptures are only authority, do you not think we're going to be, we're going to be called to account for that, that pledge that we have made? Now, I, th- I believe in that pledge. I believe that is true. But we've got to take God's word on its own terms. And so often people use the Bible to contradict the Bible. A big one today is Jesus didn't talk about that. Therefore, we could do whatever we want. But read the Bible. 
Jesus said so much more than was, that was written down. But he was, he was our representative teacher, among so many other things, of how to rightly understand the Bible. And he authorized the apostles to write what they wrote. And he affirmed what the prophets said. And he provides us with Moses properly understood. And we've got to do a better job at really grappling with this word. But when Moses said that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God, I don't believe he was only talking about the scripture because God speaks in so many ways. Now, I can't take it's not my job this morning to to unpack everything that that means. But I believe scripturally that whole understanding that God does speak directly to people is very, very affirmed and reaffirmed through Scripture. We serve a God who's alive. We serve a God who does speak. And while the Scripture provides us with that that base authority for all of life, it doesn't give us everything we need in how to make decisions and and, and various things that God's calling us to do. I remember, um, so when I became a believer, Kevin mentioned 1976, I started off in a church that didn't believe in the gifts. And um, I was given a booklet of why tongues was of the devil and, and this sort of thing. So I was, I was influenced very early. And then I went to Ontario Bible College. Rob and I both graduated from there in 1981. And the Holy Spirit basically wasn't talked about. Just that whole, the whole charismatic gifts thing just was not talked about. Um, and so at the same time, there's, you know, you know, there's more to God than than just the letters on the page, but we didn't have a lot of understanding about that. And then we moved to Vancouver, and I started working with a Jewish mission, an organization that seeks to bring the gospel to Jewish people. And um, one of my first ways I got alerted to God's actually wants to communicate to us is there was a a church from a, a tradition that was basically what we call cessationist, not believes that doesn't believe in the gifts today, this sort of thing. Uh, but I got to speak there on some regular basis, and I'd ask them, what would you like me to speak on? And they would say, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. Okay, that's the assignment. So I took it, I took it seriously, and I would pray, God, please guide me in what to speak. And I'd prepare a talk, and more than once after this ser- service, you know, in the old days when people all traipsed by you at the end, and, you know, good sermon, good sermon, good sermon. Like, and I would get people saying, how did you know? How did I know what? Well, what you said to that really hit the nail on the head. And all of a sudden I realized, I think God was laying the message on my heart after all. There's actually a dynamic here where I would ask God, he'd show me what to say. I'm not saying I delivered it perfectly, but he'd show me what to say. And then I would deliver it and God would be speaking to the people. (laughs) Wow, that's kind of cool, right? And um, I don't have time to get into all the story of the the development of that, um, but... Through the subsequent years, I was at various meetings, and certain people, some people would, I had some charismatic Pentecostal friends, and the way they explained Holy Spirit theology to me was, I didn't really find it biblical, and, and sometimes I felt they were talking down to me. One guy said to me, uh, because I hadn't had his Holy Spirit experience, I said, I said, what's the difference between you and me? And this good friend of mine said, well, it's like he said, I'm living in a condo, and, and that I, me, Alan, I was living in a tent. 
that, that didn't sell me. That really didn't sell me on his theology. And uh, it was I, in 1985, I got to go to this big conference uh, led by a man by the name of John Wimber. It's called Science and Wonders and Church Growth. Um, how I got there, I don't have time to get into the whole story. But I found in Wimber's teaching, I'm not saying everything that he ever said was good. I it bothers me that I always have to give those kind of disclaimers because I don't believe, I don't even believe everything that I'm saying. So um, he provided a very balanced, um, a very balanced theology, I thought biblically based uh, theology of the Holy Spirit. And I remember at the beginning of the conference, um, somebody said from the front, he said, and it was there 3,000 people there from all these denominations. It was really something. And, and it was, how many of you here have ever experienced a dream or you had, uh, you woke up in the middle of the night, you had a sense you had to do something, you felt you had something to say to someone or and these kinds of leadings and all the rest. And all these people put up their hands. And he said, for a lot of you, then, you know, because you didn't believe that that was real, you forgot about it. And I really appreciate, because I believe that when we, if we really do repent, come to the Lord and, and ask him into our lives, he brings the Holy Spirit with him. And then subsequently, um, we, God willing, will have Holy Spirit type experiences, some subtle, some not so subtle. Um, but this idea of, of we have to have one wang, bang, boom kind of Holy Spirit experience and then we're good has, a, a, I believe, theologically, biblically has a lot of problems to it. And so... Um, the idea that because I knew the Lord, I had the Holy Spirit, and God was already working, that was, oh, okay. I, that sounds biblical to me. And I remember near the end of the conference, um, uh, they, they prayed over the whole crowd, and, and then Wimber said, turn to the person next to you and ask them, what would you like the Father to do for you? What would you like the, the, fa- what would you like the Father to do for you today? And so... The, this young man I was next to asked me first, and um, so I told him, and he prayed. And I remember I really wasn't paying much attention because I, I was like, I really want to pray for him. I really want to pray for him. And so I, then it was my turn, and I prayed. Pray, 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 pray. And then he said, how did you know? Know what? What you prayed. And it's, again, this kind of idea that God was really speaking through you. And I was like, I was like up to cloud nine, just like that, like, wow, like, the first time in my life, God was the one leading me in the prayer, in a prayer for someone. It's not me just guessing or good wishes. And, of course, praying to God, asking for help is very, very appropriate. But God was involved personally? Whoa. And then there was this, we got this, by accident, we got this, very, we were in a very conservative church. We got a very charismatic pastor. It's like a Frank Peretti novel kind of situation where we got this guy. He had no idea who they were getting. He became a good friend. And he started doing these all-night prayer meetings. I'd never been to one before. And one of the features of these prayer meetings is we pray for various subjects. And then we would do, you might be aware, like the hot seat. So somebody would get in a chair. We'd all gather around and we'd pray for the person. And he did this quick training on how to hear God's voice. And I know, you know, go to all these seminars and stuff, but this is, this is, this is the training. And it was, here's what you do. Ask God to speak to you. If something comes to mind, put it out of your mind. And if it keeps coming back, maybe it's God. That's pretty, that's pretty straight. That's pretty easy. So um, a good friend of mine was in the, was in the chair. We all prayed for him and did what uh, the pastor Trevor said. And, um, and, um, 
So then we're going around the room. Did anybody get anything? This is brand new, brand new for, uh, for many of us. And I said, because I had this word. It was, and I knew it wasn't right because I knew the guy worked in, in, uh, in steel sheeting in a factory that made steel sheets. And so I, 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 it was my turn. I said, well, um, I, I, I think I may, I may be. I, is it, does the word plastic mean anything to you? And this guy was not the most emotional person. He sat there and he went, yes. And again, like that time praying for that young man, I was like, what? Really? And I was just like, you're kidding. And I didn't hear anything else that was going on. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is real. And I was so grateful to be trained in this. Does this mean anything to you? Because we, you know, some people have the impression like, You've got to pour the fire on. Like if, you, like if it's God, act like it. So like do it, the Elijah thing. Like you've never done this before, but you've got to act like Elijah. To, you know, got to make it really dramatic. No. Like give it according to like where your faith is at. And if all you have is, you know, I just, I know this kind of weird. I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I started thinking about you and I started thinking that. I know this doesn't really probably mean anything to you, but does it? But perhaps does it? And see what happens. And as you grow in confidence, you know, in the fear of God, you can be, be more confident. I remember one time um, we were back uh, trying, to minister, trying to minister in Montreal with a small group. And we were doing the similar thing. We were praying for this couple. And I got, I can't remember if it was toothbrush or toothpaste. But it was one of the ten things. It was toothbrush. I got a picture of a toothbrush. And I said to the, said to the, the husband, I said, does toothbrush mean anything to you? And he said, nope. Okay, you know, you win some, you lose some. You, 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 you can't hit a home run every, every time. And so they, they go home, and I, you know, I don't know how I, just talking to Robin a bunch, said, Alan, you know how he feels about his kids and brushing teeth, and, and it, to the point that this could be an issue. And if you're out there watching and listening to this, sorry, I've never talked to you about this personally. Um, but, oh, which also emphasizes God could speak, and we may not be listening. So there's, we need to do this in the fear of God. Um, I think what I'm going to close with, I think maybe you need to say this, and I'll say the other thing. Oh, thank you. That's, oh, I love you. <laughs> oh, say it all? Do we have to committee pastor? Oh, wow. Okay, I'm healed. Okay. So I shared that. I shared that. Okay. Okay, so just, uh, yeah, so I was going to share my journey. It felt a little bit rushed. Thank you for for settling me down a little bit here. And um, so I've also had a few insightful dreams. One of my my favorites, I'll share this one with you, because, again, it emphasized some principles that I think are really important. So we were ministering in Montreal in the, oh, I'll go back, um, how we got to Montreal in the first place. I remember, um, and again, a lot of this is, is, is new and learning about this as we go along. And uh, one evening, we were living in Vancouver, um, and um, everybody was in bed, and I was having a prayer time in, in the living room, and finished up. And I went to leave the living room, and I had this impression, you're not done. Now, it's, this stuff is really easy to do when you're by yourself. You know, I don't have to tell anybody, right? So if I'm being totally crazy, it's only me and God know about it. In fact, probably only God knows about it. So, uh, okay, I'm not done. So I go back, I sit on the couch, and it's like, okay, God, what do I do now? 
And I get this sense, get on your knees. Again, nobody's watching. Nobody needs to know this. Okay, I get on my knees. As soon as I get on my knees, I hear, quote unquote, go to Montreal, which was the beginning of our going back to Montreal, where we're from, to try to start a ministry there. Um, And that was probably the clearest thing I'd ever heard at any time. But it's not like I woke up my wife and said, we got to go to Montreal now. And thank God for people in my life and, and also this understanding, you know, share it with people and began to share with people in various ways. The Lord would confirm it. Um, and uh, it was over. A long, we even did an initial trip back to Montreal to see, is this where God's having us go and, and all the rest of it. So even though God spoke so clearly, and also it's not like he said, go to Montreal now. Let's go to Montreal. And also, was it for a visit? Was it for long term? There's a lot of discerning that had to take place before we actually moved our growing family um, all that way back back to Montreal. Um, when I, I haven't had a lot of dreams, but I, I have had some, and and again, this has to do with moving, and because you know what moving even in a city is a big deal, let alone across the country, let alone when you have a, a whack of kids as we've had uh, through the years. And, uh, well, we still have them, but you know, but you know what I mean? Okay. Um, so it looked like it was, we were needing to go back to the West coast and it was really, it was a really heavy duty decision. Don't have time to get into all the details, but it looked like we should do that. Not too sure about it. I spent a day, of, a, a week of prayer with a little bit of fasting, seeking God. And like this, he's not speaking. He's not speaking about this. And so I decided, I remember I went to, again to the living room. Uh, and I said, okay, God, looks like we're staying. You, you didn't confirm this about going now to Vancouver. And I went to bed. And um, I dreamt, I dreamt, uh, the pastor of this church that we're considering to be part of in Vancouver in the dream. And part of the dream, he, he, he points me out of the, in the congregation says, and that's why you need to come and work with us. And I wake up at about 4.30 in the morning. Go, oh, my. What was that? And I think, oh, that's just me transferring my thoughts onto the dream because really I want to go. doesn't look like we can go. And now I have this. And I, but still, I got up, prayed, Lord, if that's from you, Please show me. And, the, and the, the, the church was in a part of Vancouver called Surrey. And um, I, those days had a clock radio, and that's what woke me up in the morning. And so I go back to bed, go to sleep. Clock radio wakes me up, and the first words out of the, clock, out of the, the radio broadcast was, Surrey, B.C. And my first reaction was a very, very pious, nah. Can't be like this is this this is silly like this is really now. But again, Lord, so now I just the night before made the decision we're not going, and so between the dream and this unusual thing over the radio, it was some athlete that was from Surrey, BC. It was a sports uh, uh, sports news, and it was just enough to go, okay, God, we won't make that decision. We're going to leave it. We're going to keep seeking you about this, and then eventually we did. We did end up going, and it was through advice and, and praying and, and, and all the rest. Um, I do want to stress, okay, so, so the thing is, beware of people that are going to give you a full-out you know, formula on how to hear God. I do believe he speaks to different people in different ways. Also, 
we are part of a body. So I would caution people. You have an inkling. You have a sense of like, share it with somebody that you trust. But beware of people that follow formulas. Like I've, I've heard people um, uh, think they know how to interpret dreams. And to them, dog means this and a storm means that. It's like they're doing this like they have a dream glossary thing that they're following. And I'm, I'm really, I don't get what everything the Bible says correctly. But, I, but it, it seems to me that the way dreams are interpreted biblically is, is God just gives that ability. It's not something you, you figure out and you become an expert in. So I stay, I, I'm, I stay away from that kind of know-it-all approach to dream interpretation. And I encourage people, like, it's, and here's a, kind of a scary part. There are people that are having dreams, and you're not asking God what they mean. God might be speaking to you, but also in other ways. I remember once I was feeling really dejected about something, which is sort of normal for me, and it was, I think it was a Sunday afternoon. You know, it was a really good time for a believer to feel dejected because we went to church that morning. And, um, and uh, so I'm, I'm walking. I'm, maybe I was trying to pray. I'm kind of muttering. Oh, God, what do I do? What do I do? And I had my head kind of down as I was walking. And I, and I looked up, and there was a, first, like a, a real estate sign in front of a house. And usually they're, you know, yay by yay, right? This is one of those big ones. That normally they're the size of the commercial type real estate for sale signs. But this was in front of a house. It was huge. And the name on it was Wendy Faith. I thought I'd get more of a response. <laughs> Wendy Faith. Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> i like, oh. Now, was that really God? I, you know, I still think it is. I think that's God. Especially, like, I don't know how it all works. But being reminded, come on. I often call myself by my last name. Come on, Gilman. Like, get your sights up. And it reminded me, whether God planted the sign or God used the sign, God was speaking to me. And there's something happens, and I've seen this. And more happens when I go away because I become more expectant when I'm on a, when I'm on a trip. But there's something about the more we begin to be expectant, What's God doing? What's he doing here? What does he want to say? In fact, you know, even, even in, in prayer situations, I find myself, I forget to ask God to guide me in praying for someone or in a situation that I'm in. And I find so often if I just ask him, he'll give me something. We've got to be careful. Just because we get an inkling or a thought doesn't mean it is of God. It needs to be in some broad way affirmed by the scripture because the scriptures are only authority. So when, when, when people start saying things are contrary to scripture, now we might be not understanding the scripture properly. That's a different problem. So there, there's a dynamic going on here. We need to be teachable, but not, not so open, you know, like open, so open that our brains fall out sort of thing. But open to continue to learn what God is saying in his word and the things that he wants to to teach us. Remember, there's no shortcut around the foundation of scripture. And in fact, it was my learning of the scripture that allowed me to be open to God speaking to me through in, in the many ways that he does and probably many ways that I still haven't yet discovered. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we serve the living God. Show us, Lord, 
how you've become dead to us. Father, I imagine there's some people here who have stepped out in hearing your voice and walking in the power of your spirit and have gotten really hurt and confused, disappointed. Father, forgive us that for the ways that we take our experiences and then we read them back onto you instead of turning back to you with an open heart that you would instruct us and you would teach us. Lord, forgive us because we do tend to be people who live by bread, by our desires, by our fears, by our goals, by all sorts of things that we, we, that we treasure instead of you. Help us, Lord. May this congregation become marked as a people who live by every word that comes from your mouth. Break the power of fear and replace it with heavenly inspired faith. No matter how unusual and different the results may be, may this be a fellowship of faith that knows you, knows your word, and hears your voice. In Jesus' name. Amen.